Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. The question we asked last week is true happiness possible? And it is possible. But not only is true happiness possible, it's even possible through suffering. It's even possible through suffering. I've shared, I believe, with some of you individually a little story about one of my brother-in-laws. We were all together several Christmases ago, and uh, he, he and his family were visiting from the north, uh, spent some time with us. And uh, Stephen Teal is a, a very unique individual. I always enjoy spending time with him. It's hard to know what Stephen's going to say or what his new you know, hobby is or, or book he's reading. I mean, Stephen's just an interesting guy. And uh, uh, enjoy being around Stephen. But that particular Christmas, he had been reading about manhood. He had been reading about you know, how to become a, a stronger man and, uh, and, and sacrificing. And he said, you know what? I've decided that I'm going to take cold showers for a month. I'm like, man, Stephen, more power to you. That's going to be great. Um, you, you, you know, whatever. He said, yep. I think it's just a good you know, exercise in, uh, in building and developing more manhood and just the, the stamina to with, withstand the cold showers. And I said, all right, well, have fun with that. You know, let me know how that goes. And so he was with us, and we were all together staying, and uh, he went and took his cold shower. And I asked him right after the shower, I said, well, how was it? He said, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> so not even two, he didn't do the last two showers. I mean, one time, that was enough for him. And so I thought, you know, not many of us enjoy suffering. We like comfort. We like it to be exactly right, you know, whatever it may be, the temperature in the car, the house, uh, the temperature of the water, the type of food you have. I mean, we, we like the things how we like them. And so suffering many times is a temptation for us to complain, for us to doubt God, for us to wonder, you know, what in the world is God doing? Look with me in Philippians chapter 1. We're going to begin to see, first of all, that obstacles can turn into opportunities. Obstacles can turn into opportunities. Now, that's not often how we see them. First, you know, oftentimes we see an obstacle coming into our path, uh, a health issue, a financial hardship, uh, maybe the, the promotion that we were working for or the internship that we really wanted and felt like we had to have. Sometimes those things don't come to pass and we see it just as a huge obstacle in our path and a closed door. But oftentimes, obstacles can turn into opportunities. We see that here for Paul. Paul had been called of God. There was no doubt that God had done a miraculous work in Paul's life. On the road to Damascus and converted him. And, and he had persecuted the church. But now he is being persecuted as part of the church, as part of the body of Christ. So we find Paul in prison, probably in Rome. And he's, a, he's got a big obstacle. There may have been moments where Paul wondered, you know, how can I be as effective here? But certainly as he wrote to Philippians, the, the, the overriding message that came out was, hey, rejoice. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. There is true happiness possible through Christ, even in suffering. Notice with me in verse 12 of Philippians chapter 1, it says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, that's an interesting statement because he can't go out and visit the churches. He can't continue his missionary journeys. He is imprisoned. He's, he's set in one location. Sure, he can write, but it wasn't like writing an email that in an instant everybody gets it or put it on social media. He writes, and then somebody takes the letter to a church, and then they circulate it among themselves or get together and read it. But Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, this has happened really to advance the gospel. And then he goes on and says, so that it has become known 
throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Paul wanted to admit to uh, assure the Philippian believers, yes, this is difficult. Yes, I am in prison. But God has allowed this to happen so that the gospel could be advanced even more, yes, in a different way, but even more because of this obstacle, because of this hardship. How many of you heard of Nick Vujicic? Nick Vujicic. How many of you heard of Life Without Limbs? The ministry Life Without Limbs. All right. Um, this is Nick Vujicic. He was, he was born this way. Born, in fact, when Michael came, Michael came in the office uh, yesterday as I was uh, studying, getting some things ready, and he says, Dad, what happened to him? I said, well, that's how he was born. He was born without any, uh, any arms. He was born without legs. He's got a little bit of a, a foot there. And you can only imagine how difficult as he you know, was born and then was growing up. And as a, and as a kid, um, Nick is very different. One glance. And it's very obvious to say, wow, that has got to be extremely difficult. But by God's grace... By God's mercy, Nick came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Nick began to understand that he had a much larger purpose in life than just being, becoming bitter or just getting upset about how he was born. And he's allowed uh, this obstacle, a, a lifelong obstacle, something that surgeries can't correct, something that money cannot buy back. But he's allowed this lifelong struggle to become an opportunity for Jesus Christ. So as Nick began to, to speak, and he's from Australia, began to visit schools and uh, motivational speeches. But in Life Without Limbs, his website, if you visit it, it is very obvious all throughout that homepage of his website, his main message is that Jesus Christ is our hope. And God has given him phenomenal opportunities to do exactly that. In fact, on their website, he said that over 700 million people They've had an opportunity to engage, either virtually or personally. Sometimes stadiums are filled. And Nick has decided, I, I will not allow, with God's grace, I'm not going to allow this obstacle to keep me from fulfilling his will. And God has blessed him with a, a, a sweet wife. And, of course, you see their family who has embraced this ministry. And they continue to travel and speak. And they visit prison ministries and uh, handicapped, you know, special need facilities. And all of these things to be able to share. Jesus is our hope. Nick says this. I've been extremely humbled by the continuous opportunities that the Lord has given me to share my testimony. My greatest joy in this life is to introduce Jesus to those I meet and tell them of his great desire to get to know them personally by allowing him to become their Lord and Savior. That's what life without limbs is all about. So praise the Lord for that. And you can probably think of some people in your mind that may not be the Nick Vujicic's of the world, but because of some obstacles they faced, whether it's with over 700 million or maybe with seven people or 70 people, but God is using them, and maybe even you, you can think back about some obstacles. God's allowed in your life, but has become an opportunity to advance the gospel. That is what Paul wanted the Philippian church to remember. Philippians 1, 15 and 17 says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Now, what does that mean? 
perhaps, and it's hard to know exactly, you know, the whole context, but maybe some in that time frame thought, oh, you know, maybe they didn't even voice it publicly, but they're like, okay, good, Paul's in prison, now's our time to shine. You know, Paul's kind of been the, the popular one. He's been the one that everybody looks to, and he's got this phenomenal testimony how he was a persecutor of the church, and now he's persecuted. Well, at least Paul's in prison, so now maybe my ministry can flourish, and my ministry can shine. And I'm going to be honest with you, as Christians, uh, we aren't, uh, uh, we, it's very easy to even fall into that temptation, even doing good things. We can think of it as a competition, Years ago, I heard a friend of mine who said, you know, Christianity is not a competition. It is a cause. I'm thankful for area churches in Metro Atlanta. I'm thankful that Friday morning in this very room, I was able to meet a young student minister from Westridge Church who brought the gospel and has a heart for other students and who Mary's even been able to, to visit, you know, their youth group activity. Praise God for that. But yet some in that, in that time frame maybe thought, Paul's kind of sidelined right now. Here we go. But they were still preaching Christ, and Paul says, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that Christ is still being elevated. So it says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Even this is a lesson in humility. God, help us not to elevate our, our own goals and our own desires and even the desires and goals of One Hope Church above the cause of Christ. Help us to celebrate what you are doing all around us. Help us as we can to lean into other efforts, even if I don't individually get the credit or even if One Hope doesn't get the credit, may you get the credit of all that we do. And Paul says, allow obstacles then to become opportunities. So we see that it's an opportunity to advance the cause of Christ, but secondly, it's an opportunity to affirm the courage of others. It's an opportunity to affirm the courage of others. Philippians 1.14. Do I have a slide for this? Yes, okay. Uh, two or, nope, I don't. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 14. I want you to see this. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 14. It says, and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul's enduring hardship and difficulties and obstacles. He's in prison, but he says, I'm thankful because this has helped many other brothers and sisters in Christ become even bolder in their faith. James George personal friend of ours. His son David and I are good friends. David has, has been in Kosovo for quite a while. Now he's planting a church in the south part of Atlanta. And I enjoy uh, Dave. But uh, James George, his dad, is also passionate about Christ and for years has gone to and from Ivory Coast, made multiple trips and uh, helped start orphanages and local churches and training national pastors. And James George told a story years ago of uh, how after many of the people there in the Ivory Coast, the local area that he was working, had come to know Christ. On a particular morning when uh, others in that region began to do their satanic rituals and, and playing the music and all that goes along with it, the Christians began to notice, you know, there's more of us now. And as James George 
I think it was his trumpet that he played, and he, he played his trumpet, and then in that local village, the Christians began to kind of chant out and speak out and say, there is another presence. There is another presence. And they were saying, There's, it's just not the satanic rituals any longer. Christ is present among us now. And as they each saw each other, they were emboldened to cry louder and speak louder and say, God is here among us. I pray that you and I will do that, whether we're in a new job or a new school or a new neighborhood, that we will be challenged to, right off the bat, establish who we are. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. We see that principle in Ecclesiastes, uh, the next, yep, Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? No man might prevail against one who is alone. Two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So as you move into a neighborhood, as you start a new job, as maybe you begin a new hobby or or get together with a new group of people, establish from the get-go, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's very possible that if there are other believers in the midst, they'll speak up and they'll say, well, I am too. And you'll be able to have immediately, as we've given testimony in in other services, you'll be able to have immediately a connection that'll seem like maybe you've been friends for years because of Jesus Christ, our hope, and the one that puts us together. We can be a blessing to others as we stand together. Tina, Kim's older sister, came to visit us in Brazil uh, years ago, in fact, it was for Kim's 40th birthday. It was an exciting time. I, I surprised Kim. I confess I did have to tell a little, a few lies along the way to try to keep a secret from her. And to, to my surprise, we did keep it a secret. I went to pick up Tina from the airport um, and then walked into the house, and, and Kim was just beside herself. I mean, so much so she just began crying and didn't even hug Tina for a few minutes. She just was like, I can't believe you're here. And it was a fun time. But Tina told the story. She had been a little nervous about flying the overnight flight from Atlanta to Sao Paulo, nine hours, and going through customs. You know, she asked, how do I do this? You know, what line do I pick? How do I fill out the forms? But in the plane, she met a Christian couple. And as they were about to go through customs, a Christian couple said, hey, just follow us. We'll kind of show you the ropes and how, how everything works. And after she came out, she says, I'm so thankful that God connected me with that Christian couple. And there was a bond there immediately because they know Jesus Christ together as their Savior. So as we face obstacles and as we make our, our, our identity known that, yes, we are followers of Christ, we can encourage others and give them the courage to do the same. Thirdly, we have an opportunity to apply our confidence in Christ. We have the opportunity to apply our confidence in Christ. I watched a few of the highlights throughout the Georgia game yesterday. I, I didn't have the time, unfortunately, to sit there and watch the whole game. I do enjoy watching football, the few chances that I get. Uh, but I was uh, in my office and studying, but the football game was going on in the living room. So if I heard a lot of yelling and if I heard touchdown, then I'd run out and I'd watch the replay. Uh, but one of the, the, the amazing passes that the Georgia's quarterback uh, you know, completed he did a little, you know, after he got done, he, did, he looked at the camera or up in the crowds, and he kind of went like that. I don't know what that means, but the, the commentator's like, 
yeah, well, I guess you have to be a little cocky, you know, when you're a quarterback. Um, But imagine if the quarterbacks of college football and professional football never missed a pass. Imagine what their attitudes would be like if they never missed a pass. It would be extremely arrogant. Hey, I'm untouchable. As soon as the ball leaves my hand, it's going to be a completed pass. Imagine if you and I never faced hardship. Everything is exactly like like we wanted. Everything happens according to plan. There's no difficulties in life. Imagine our tendency and what our attitude would probably be. I know my tendency would be like, hey, I've got this. I'm going to decide what I want my life to be like, and it's going to happen. I can just proclaim this, and I can just declare it, and that's exactly how it's going to happen. God? I don't need God. I've got this under control. But as we face obstacles, and as we see sometimes that things are way out of our control, and things can happen just like that, A phone call can come in and you can get news that a loved one was involved in a car accident. Or a phone call can come from a doctor that you just went to recently and they can say, hey, we've discovered cancer. And in a moment, our hands can be out of control. We can say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I know that I can trust in you. Think about some of the the people of Old Testament and New Testament. Think about Daniel, throwing in the lion's den. We looked at that. Uh, recently as a church. Think about Joseph who had so many detours through his life, but yet he began, he continued to trust in Christ. Think about the widow Zarephath who was without food, but yet she saw God miraculously do things. And then she says, now I know that I can trust in what God said because it's come to pass. Think about opportunities in your life where you've seen difficulties that you didn't know your way out. You didn't know how it was going to end. But yet God encouraged you through that. And you chose to to understand, yes, this this is an obstacle, but it's also an opportunity for me to trust even more in Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that in Hebrews, the word faith, Hebrews 11, the word faith is used more than 20 times in one chapter. We see the key verse in in Hebrews 11, 6, and it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So God allows, and James talks a lot about this, about how God allows trials so that we can be strengthened in our faith. So that we can look to God and say, God, I don't know what to do right now, but I can and I will put my faith in you. We also see that obstacles often require the omnipotent. Look with me in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 19. Paul says, For I know that your prayers, and let's just stop there for a second. For I know that your prayers. Now, he doesn't say, you know, I'm thankful that you have come to solicit my release from prison. I'm thankful, you know, that that you're going to do some legal maneuvering to try to get me out of this situation. No, first and foremost, he gives recognition that God is in control here, and I'm thankful that you are praying to the God who's in control. I'm thankful for your prayers. Prayer is proactive. Prayer is proactive. Just recently, Dad, Dad and I kind of laughed together. We were in the car. I was taking him 
to the airport, and he was talking about the situation, and, and, and before, you know, he, he really could think through the whole thing, he just says, well, I guess all that we can do now is pray. And then right after that, he says, he kind of laughs, he says, I guess that's what we should have been doing all along, right? But that's our tendency. Our tendency is, I'm going to do everything I possibly can in my power and try to manipulate and, and, and organize and recruit and do all these things. Well, and if those things don't fail then I guess all I have to do is, all I can do then is pray. But Paul says, first of all, I'm thankful for your prayers. Prayer is proactive. As we talk to God in heaven and as he knows his sovereign plan and he can work behind the scenes in ways that we could never imagine, prayer is proactive. But we also see that prayer involves partnership. The rest of Philippians 1.19 says, For I know that through your prayers... And the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So there's a partnership between you know, the human and divine participation as God's children talk to the Lord. The Holy Spirit uses that, and Paul, Paul's thankful. I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Now, he makes very clear his deliverance may even be death because he says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So sometimes we think our, own, our deliverance, the only option that we'll accept is to get out of the problem. But Paul says, the deliverance may be my death, and I'm okay with that. I just want to glorify God either way, by my life or by my death. But there's partnership in prayer. As we pray, as we talk, God works behind the scenes. Obstacles thirdly change our outlook. Obstacles change our outlook. Philippians 1.20, we see one of the promises of Christ. So we need to look at the promises of Christ. In Philippians 1.20, it says, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Philippians 1.6, something we saw last week, it says, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Then Romans 8.31 and 32 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Then this next verse was a, a, a tremendous encouragement during a very low time of, my, of Kim and my marriage in our, in our life. It says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how, we not also, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? After Audrey was born, we desired more children. Uh, and for seven years, did, we didn't take any precautions not to have any more children, and we continued to pray, you know, God, if it's your will, will you bless us with more children? And not a few years after Audrey was born, God blessed with a pregnancy. Man, we were excited. Will this be the boy? Maybe not. If it's another girl, fantastic. But here we go. But it wasn't long into the pregnancy at Walmart in Sao Paulo, Brazil, that Kim lost the baby. And we thought, God, why did you allow a pregnancy? Why did you even allow it? If you were just going to take the baby away. But I remember reading through this passage, and I remember reading, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how we not also with him graciously give us all things. It's like, God, that's a promise. That even though I can't understand exactly how this was for our good, 
I, I believe and I trust in that promise that you've given us. And you've shown in a phenomenal way. You gave your own son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. So because of that, even though we're extremely sad, we don't understand and, and won't fully understand perhaps that plan until heaven, but we're thankful that we can look at the promises of Jesus Christ. There's a song that, that is sung. It's a, a popular song, modern-day song now. It says, God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you said. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. O oh God, from age to age, though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same. Your history can prove there's nothing you can't do. You're faithful and true. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Great is your faithfulness. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground, my hope and firm foundation. He'll never let me down. I'll still bless you in the middle of the storm, in the middle of my trial. I'll still bless you when I'm in the middle of the road and I don't know where to go. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name. Why? Because great is your faithfulness. And during times of immense trial and uncertainty and confusion, we, we must and thankfully we can go back to the promises of God in Scripture and say those are still true. Even though I can't see how it's all going to come together. But we need to look back at the promises of Christ. But also we need to look at the preeminence of Christ. The preeminence of Christ. As it is my eager expectation, Philippians 1.20 once again, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, who will be honored? Christ. That Christ will be honored in my body. And then he says again, that we've already seen, whether by life. And most of us would say, yes, by life, God, by deliverance, by success, by this. But he says, or death. God, may you be glorified. May Christ receive the glory from this. I'm going to ask you, could you say that together with Paul? Could you say together with Paul, for me to live is Christ? Now, maybe our tendency would be, and mine sometimes would be, for, you, for me to live is Christ would be to be successful. For me to live is to be a good athlete. For me to live is to have a lot of good friends. For me to live is to have the, the finances that I want and, and that, that car and the internship that I'm really going after and to complete the degree that I want. That is the reason that I have to live. But yet, Paul says, no, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So Christ is preeminent. Also need to look forward to being present with Christ. Philippians 1.21 for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Philippians 1.23, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. That's interesting, his outlook on that. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. In a Life Application Study Bible, I love this quote. It says, if you aren't ready to die then you aren't really ready to live. If you aren't ready to die, then you aren't really ready to live. I want to ask you, as, as we think about, you know, what is life all about and what is happiness? 
If you could choose, and I want your participation, so think, think with me, and, and I, I want to get some feedback. If you could choose to vacation anywhere in the world and do anything you, you wanted to do, and money was not an issue, even, even time, money wasn't an issue, time wasn't an issue, you could go anywhere in the world and do whatever you want, what would you do for vacation? I'm not looking for a paragraph, but you know, give me a quick, what would you do and where would you go for vacation? All right, go to Europe and around the Mediterranean. Caleb? Go to Japan. All right, fantastic. What else? Hawaii. Hawaii. I'm, I'm with Dan. I'd like to see Hawaii. I think that'd be pretty fun. Maybe even do some snorkeling, uh, right? Sean and his family, they did some snorkeling soon. That'd be fun to do that in, in Hawaii. What else? Bahamas. All right. Anybody else? Israel, that would be fantastic. That would be so neat to see, to walk where Jesus walked and see some of the sights um, in Israel. I'm surprised that nobody chose the icon of the seas cruise ship that we looked at last week. I mean, that I thought that was going to be a winner. Mr. Powell? Bora Bora. I've seen some pictures of Bora Bora. My goodness, a lot of fun. You know, in all of that, as we think about how amazing some of these places and experiences would be, Paul says, without, that, without, doubt, without doubt, to be with Christ and to be in heaven is far better. It's far better. So as we look forward to, the, to being present with Christ, that is far better. Also, we see to look at your potential for Christ. Philippians 1 and verse 22. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress. Paul is looking at, you know, what is for your progress, and then it continues, and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. I think it could have been easy for, for a minute there, for a while, for Paul to say, yeah, I'm in prison. Boy, heaven sounds really sweet right now. But yet, God, if you want me to stay here a little bit longer, if my being in prison and my suffering and, and the, the persecutions that I have maybe even to come, if those things are going to help the Philippian church and others grow stronger, then God, that's what I want to do, and I, I certainly will accept your will with thankfulness. We need to look to our potential in Christ. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In whatever circumstance, in whatever phase of life you are, may that be our outlook. God, what is the potential and the plan that you have for me to bless others? and to serve you, and to be an effective follower and disciple-maker of Jesus Christ. And sometimes that opportunity will even be through the process of dying. Next picture, I believe it shows Ernie Miller, Ernie and I, and Kim as well. We all went to college together. Ernie was a phenomenal worker. I mean, he was a hard worker. He paid for his college expense so he, he would study during the day, and then he worked at a special needs 
home in the city of Watertown, Wisconsin. It worked long hours. He didn't go home on breaks a lot of times because he would continue to work through the break, trying to pay for his education, preparing for the ministry. Ernie got married, and as you can see, God began to bless with children, uh, but then Ernie was diagnosed with cancer. And he pursued different treatments and all the options that were available, but it came you know, pretty, to be pretty clear that this was going to be terminal for him. And Ernie could have reacted in a lot of different ways. He could have gotten bitter. He could have, you know, accused God. God, I worked so hard during my undergraduate studies to prepare for the ministry. And I've been serving you in this, in this local body of Jesus Christ. And you've blessed me with a family. All of this just to take me away at a young age. But yet Ernie, even during the process of dying, saw his family and saw his kids. And he prayed that God would use him to encourage his kids, even during those last weeks and days of his life. And Ernie said this to his kids. Just before he died, he says, May you grow up to be the men and women God wants you to be. May the work we've seen God begin in you continue. May you not trust in numbers or people, but in God who always does what is right. You know how difficult that is to say? When you can probably, Ernie couldn't even get out of bed at that point, and he knows death is knocking on his door, and he says, may, may you trust that God always does what is right, kids. May the gospel, the love and sacrifice of Jesus, impact you your whole lives. Love, Dad. Now, I don't know exactly how everything has been since his passing, but I guarantee you his kids will not quickly forget that message. That will be a message that will leave a mark on their heart. Pastor Tom Craig pastored Oak Ridge Baptist Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee for a while. We got to know him, had several meetings there, and he too got to a point in his life where it was very clear he would die, pass away. And during those last weeks of his life, he made this statement, I have spent many years of my life doing my best to teach you all how to live well. And now I want to teach you how to die well. Wow. So as we face these extreme obstacles in life, may we be like those who've gone before us and Instead of just seeing the obstacle, instead of just becoming bitter, instead of just throwing our hands up and saying, all this, God in you, may even then we say, God, whatever circumstance I'm facing, whether it's a financial hardship, maybe I've lost my job, maybe I've lost some relationships that are dear to me, maybe I've lost some loved ones that are extremely dear to me, God, help me to see how I can still serve you. Help me to see the potential that I have to serve you as my Savior. We also see that obstacles help determine our objectives. Obstacles help us determine our objectives. Now, again, this is, this is kind of cross-thinking. I mean, it's not very common to think, no, you know, obstacles, that's something we just have to get over. We have to get through. But we see here in Scripture, Philippians says, these obstacles, these difficulties, this persecution should encourage you and help you to set the right types of goals, the right types of objectives. Look with me in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20, 27. One of our goals should be to be worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
to be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul doesn't say, first of all, be worthy of your family or be worthy of your church or be worthy of your friends or be worthy of the position that you have at, uh, you know, in your job. He says, no, may your life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But also we see to be established in the gospel of Christ. The same verse Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Why? So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm. That you are standing firm. There was a couple times during the game yesterday that the you know one team would be on the on the goal line almost and the defense would try to stand firm. They try to stand their ground and you'd see these you know these big guys and they're giving everything they can to push back and keep the guy from going across that painted white line to score six points. But all throughout our Christian life there would be many many attacks. And with God we can say, "Lord, help me to stand firm." God, help me not to waver. Not uh, a little over a year ago, 14 months ago or so, uh, something happened that really shook me. Man, it shook me in the ministry here. And on my way home, Kim and I were talking. I said, well, I guess now it's just time to be faithful. Whew, that's hard. That's hard. You have dreams. You have expectations. You think things are going to happen. You, you think God is you know, doing some things. And then, man, we got something. It's just something happened. And like, uh, now, I guess we just have to be faithful. But we get to be faithful. Because God is faithful to us. To be firm. To be established in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To be constant but also to be cooperative. We see also in Philippians 1.27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm, listen, in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Sometimes obstacles and difficulties can have one of two reactions. Sometimes as we face obstacles as a family, it can divide the family. And fingers can start to be pointed and things can, you know, griping and murmuring. The same thing can happen with a church family. As we face obstacles, it can be easy to go, you know what? I think the reason is, and point at somebody else. Well, I think, Dad tells a story of when uh, he was starting a church in Albany, Georgia, and things weren't going quite as some of the people maybe thought. And one of the guys came in his office and he says, I think I've discovered the reason why God isn't blessing the church. And dad said, oh, really? What is it? He says, well, I don't think you are saved. I think that's it. (laughs) Dad was like, oh, really? He said, yep, I think that's it. I think you just, you must not be a true Christian. Wow. Okay. So sometimes it's easy for us, as when things don't go well, for us to start to point fingers and say, well, you're the one, it's, this is the problem, and husbands and wives can do that. But yet Paul says, be cooperative, maintain the unity of the Spirit in Jesus Christ, work side by side for the gospel of Jesus Christ. In that way, stand firm for me, be worthy of the gospel. So be constant, be cooperative but also be courageous. Philippians 1, 28 through 30 says, 
and not frightened by anything or in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but notice, but also suffer for his sake. Well, what happened to the, to the just upbeat and positive messages? I guess Paul didn't get that memo. In his preacher training, they didn't tell him, hey, be careful you know, not to present Christianity in any difficulty. No, that wasn't how Paul was trained. In fact, he made it very clear. Listen, you're going to believe in Jesus Christ, but no, you're going to suffer for his sake. But be courageous. It says, but, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. We all, every single one of us, either has faced, is facing, or will face difficulty. Every single one of us. It may be a health issue. It may be a relationship issue. It might be a financial issue. It may indeed be spiritual uh, uh, persecution. I, it, it's not a far out idea to think that in our lifetime in the United States of America that there will be more and more spiritual persecution. That's not a far out, you know, outlandish idea. But Paul says, be courageous. And notice, it's interesting, he says, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Later, we won't read it for, for time's sake, but in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 27, Paul kind of goes and he does a quick summary of some of the persecution that he experienced. He was whipped five times with 39 lashings by the Jews. Hey, come to know Jesus Christ. You might be whipped like I am. But Paul says, be ready to be engaged in the same conflict that I've had. He was imprisoned. He was beaten with rods three times. He was stoned. He experienced three shipwrecks. He had spent the night you know, trying not to drown in the ocean. He had been dangerous, 2 Corinthians says, by, by thieves, by the Jews, by the unsaved, in the wilderness, at sea, even by false Christians. He had experienced hunger, thirst, nakedness. But yet, Paul declares, for me to live is Christ. And then in verse 20, we, as we've already read, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as I ask, could you say the same with Paul?